Welcome back to They Reminisce Over You. I'm Christina. And I'm Miguel. I know we say this all the time, but this week I mean it. (laughs) This is one of my all-time favorite entertainers. We're talking about someone who comes from a family full of entertainers. She's a former child star who made it. Actress, singer, songwriter, producer, Latoya and Tito's little sister. Uh, Her first name ain't Baby. It's Janet. Miss Jackson, if you nasty. But before we get into the episode, we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping. So first of all, thank you for coming back and listening to They Reminisce Over You. We appreciate everybody who does. We've been looking at our stats and they've been climbing consistently. So shout out to my people in the UK over in Brixton. (laughs) My peoples are checking us out. I was about to attempt an accent and decide. (laughs) Yeah. Mm, Probably not. Yeah, I'm not going to be throwing on any accents (laughs) because they're going to stop listening. Yep. It could always go higher. It could. It could. They might like my fake British accent. <laughs> so maybe at the end of the episode, I'll give it a shot. Another thing I wanted to mention is the best way to listen to this particular episode or our other music-based episodes is to search They Reminisce Over You Music Plus Talk Edition on Spotify. That way you can listen to this and the other episodes with music in it with an integrated playlist. We also have playlists of just the songs if you want to dig into that later. So if you want to check that out, go to our website or click on the link in the show notes. That said, you want to get into talking about Miss Janet Jackson? Let's do it. Okie dokie. So as you mentioned, Janet has been around forever. I mean, she grew up in a musical family and they were already famous when she was. Yeah, she was like three when they blew up. So all she knows is success. Yeah, of course, one would expect that she would get into the family business as well. Eventually. Which she did. Cher, the Carol Burnett show, the Jacksons had a variety show, Good Times and some show called New Kind of Family. Yeah, I had never heard of it until I saw it on the IMDb. Me either. I searched for a video. It doesn't exist anywhere. Okay. Uh, But Rob Lowe was in it. Okay. And originally it was about these two families. They were neighbors. About three episodes into it, they got rid of one of the families and brought in Telma Hopkins and Janet Jackson to replace them. (laughs) I don't know how good it was. It only lasted one season. Eh. Guess it wasn't too good. I don't know too much about this era of Janet because I was also, wait. I don't, was I even, when did this stuff come out? Good times? Yeah. That was like 78, so that's definitely yeah, so I wasn't before even you born, were born yet. So <laughs> I know of this stuff now, but yeah. this wasn't something I grew up watching. And the new kind of family aired in 79, so. Okay. Same time. So this is before my time. I knew she was in Good Times, and there's that sketch in the variety show where she's dancing all sexy. Yeah, doing the, her <laughs> Mae West impression. Yeah, so I've definitely seen it, but. This is something I saw as I was older. We did watch a couple episodes of Good Times. <laughs> yeah, I grew up watching Good Times. Yes. Because I'm a little bit older, so I got to see it. older. Plus, you like to watch old stuff anyway. I do. <laughs> I used to watch reruns as a kid. And Good Times is, uh, wow. They really <laughs> get to the hard-hitting topics. Yeah, I they, they didn't play Jan around. get burned with an iron. And she was getting burned. She was getting beat beaten. up. And they thought she had a broken arm. Mm-hmm. There was a lot going on in those episodes. She played Penny, who was their downstairs neighbor, being abused by a mother. Walona ended up taking her in and adopting her. At least there was a happy ending. Yeah, it was a happy ending. <laughs> so she continued to do work as she grew up into a teenager. She was on different strokes, yep. which I that was something I did watch a little bit, but I don't remember anything because I was still a small (laughs) child (laughs) and fame like i'm familiar with those but i don't remember much yeah like on fame she wasn't there very long she only did one season yeah and i think she was only maybe four or five episodes 
but I remember the episode where there was kind of a dream sequence that she performed Dream Street, which was a single from her album that was out at the time. So that was pretty funny for me. On Different Strokes, she played Willis's girlfriend for a few seasons. She wasn't in that much either. She would pop up every few episodes or so, hang out with Willis. But at the same time is when she started her singing career as well. I knew these albums existed, but not familiar with them either. I listened to them in full for the first time just this past week and um, not really a fan. (laughs) It's not bad. But it just sounds like some 80s songs, like there's nothing really particularly special about them. Right. (laughs) The first one, the self-titled album, Mm -hmm. I remember playing that a lot as a kid because (laughs) when my aunt would go to school, Mm -hmm. because she's 10 years older than me, I would sneak into her bedroom and then play this record. (laughs) So. Listening to it is more nostalgic than actually liking it, if that makes any sense. I do like Young Love, though. That one was pretty good, at least to me. And like I said, I just used to sneak and play it when my aunt was at school and then sneak out of her room when she came home, (laughs) even though she probably knew I was doing it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's possible that it being before my time and stuff, but yeah, I just didn't really, nothing really stood out for me. I also found it hilarious that around this time, too, when I was looking at her IMDb, she's listed as uncredited zombie in Thriller. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Her other brother, Michael, yes, his thriller video, apparently she was a zombie in there, but uncredited. So yeah. We don't she, know which one she is. <laughs> we don't. I, <laughs> it might be in the making of the thriller DVD. I want to figure out which zombie yeah. she is. Does she at least get like to stand up front or she's just <laughs> right. one of the ones just in the graveyard? Or... <laughs> right. But <laughs> She uh, would she, have been pretty young at this time. Well, maybe like she's about. Between 15, 16, something like that. Thriller came out in 82, so she was 16. Okay. And it's funny you bring up Thriller Mm -hmm. because her first album came out two months before Thriller. And it it had a couple hits that, I wouldn't say hits, let me take that back. (laughs) It had a couple songs that got airplay. Looking at it now, I don't see why it flopped because it sounds like a lot of stuff that was out at the same time. Right. I can't remember where I read this, but it says something like she was coming off of a TV show she didn't even really like being on, which was fame. And then she was kind of hesitant about going to a singing career, too. So you can kind of tell, I think, when you listen to those first two albums versus Control. This is where Janet was like. I'm here. Because the second album, it was produced by Giorgio Moroder, who is like, they call him the godfather of disco or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like he produced Donna Summer, mm-hmm. Blondie. But in the 80s, he was known for producing soundtracks. So he did the Top Gun soundtrack, did Flash Dance, and he produced most of the Dream Street album. So that's mm-hmm. why a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. doesn't sound as R&B as the first album. Right. It sounds like it should be on a movie soundtrack. and. It just seems really cheesy and corny to me. It's not Danger Zone. <laughs> it's not that level. Yeah. Because uh, I like perfect... that as a kid. Exactly. Danger Zone. <laughs> and that's what this album sounds like, but on a, a lesser scale because she was 16. And right. She shouldn't be out here singing these power ballads <laughs> and songs with all these hard guitars in it. Mm-hmm. The worst one for me, though, is a song called Two to the Power of Love. I don't even remember. (laughs) I had never heard this song or didn't remember it. Mm -hmm. It's with a guy named Cliff Richard. Didn't know who he was until yesterday. Here's who Cliff Richard was. Now, mind you, she's 16. Mm -hmm. No, 15 at this point. He dominated British pop music scene pre-Beatles, late 50s to early 60s. 
This is in 1982. <laughs> Basically, it's like if somebody put Morris Day on a Olivia Rodrigo record today. <laughs> like, why is the old ass man <laughs> yeah. help this teenager? <laughs> <laughs> like, why are these two working together? And that's basically what it was. So okay. that says everything about her career mm-hmm. pre-control. Right. I don't know if also because I know her for control first, that hearing those albums, like, who is this? Yeah. <laughs> because on control, it sounds like I'm making this for me. Yeah. Like, it sounds like this is what she wants to right. do. And since we brought it up, let's mm-hmm. just get into control. Like you said, it sounds like she's taking control Mm -hmm. of her career. Mm -hmm. And I saw an interview with Jam and Lewis. Basically, Terry Lewis was just sitting there. So it was a lot of Jimmy Jam talking. I feel like Jimmy talks more. He does. Okay. (laughs) I don't think I've ever heard Terry Lewis speak. Okay. Because I was just thinking about that. And I'm like, you want to call them Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis? Yeah. They're a duel. I just feel like I'm always like, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. It (laughs) seems like I see him doing more interviews or just talking more. They're like the black pen and teller. (laughs) Only one of them speaks. But the video I saw, he was talking about how they spent like two weeks just hanging out with Janet. Okay. Like they would go to the movies. They would go to basketball games. They would hang out and talk at the hotel. And finally, she asked, so when are we going to get in the studio and (laughs) actually start to work? And that's when they gave her control. It's like, here you go. And she starts reading the lyrics like, this is what we've been talking about for two weeks. <laughs> and he said he could see the the switch just right. click in her head. And she's like, oh, so this is what we're doing. All right, let's, let's do, do it. it. Yeah. So they did most of the songwriting as well. Yeah. The, the three of them. OK. I feel like having control as the first song very much set the scene for us of what to yeah. expect for the rest of the album. Because she literally said, I'm in control. And I've got <laughs> lots of it. And it's just funny because. She's like 20 at this time, maybe 1920, yeah. but she was just coming out of an annulment with <laughs> the, the barge boy. Yes, with Ponytail James. <laughs> yeah, so she's young, but she has some experience with yeah. her. But it's just funny because she was like, when I was 17, I did what others told me. I'm like, that's what most 17 year olds <laughs> yeah, you, do. Yeah, you kind of had to. <laughs> and now I'm all grown up. Yeah, at 20. <laughs> But it's just funny when we think about like so many of these artists that have made an impact on us were so young. She was 20. I mean, we talked about Usher coming out at 14. 14, 15. Monica's like 12 when she first recorded. And like Mary J was, I think, 20 when uh, Real Love came out too. Yeah. So many of our favorite artists. Yeah, Nas, Outkast. Mob Deep, Tupac, all of them were babies. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, I also saw that <laughs> she started drinking for the first time. At 23? No, when they were doing the album. Okay. Because the drinking age in Minnesota was 19 at the time. Oh, because I saw another interview where she said she did her first real drinking yeah. at 23. <laughs> so she, she said she was doing a little bit of drinking, hanging yeah. out with Jimmy and Terry. Okay. <laughs> because the, the drinking age was still 19, and I think it changed that year okay. to 21, too. That's so funny. she just barely made it. <laughs> Because I saw another interview of her. I think she was talking about this time. So this was probably her little bit of drinking. I right. think it was like on Jimmy Fallon or something. And she says she got drunk off of eating ice cream that had liquor in it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's funny. That's a lot of ice cream or a lot of liquor in the ice cream. <laughs> or a little bit of both. <laughs> 
Yeah, so basically, this is her getting out of the shadow of the rest of her family. Instead of just being looked at as the Jackson 5's little sister, Mm -hmm. here she is establishing a career on her own. Just listening to it, what is your favorite song on this album? Nasty. Okay. The whole album is, it's so good considering the two albums that came before. But I guess maybe that's what happens when you get confidence and get control over what you want to do. Yeah. But... Out of all the songs, I like Nasty the best just because I think it encompasses what she was trying to convey, which right. was confidence. I'm my own boss. Like, my first name ain't Baby. It's Janet. <laughs> like, and then that's such an iconic line. Yeah. The same interview I was watching, she was like, that's the one thing that people are always yelling at her. Of course. Miss Jackson, if you know. <laughs> and Jimmy was like, did you think that this was going to become such a big deal? She was just like, no, we were writing songs. Yeah, why would it? I didn't think that this was going to be like the thing that people are going to yell at me for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the album had that kind of same sound, but that one for me was the best one. But the funny thing is, too, is in that little like breakdown where she was like, who's that in that nasty car? Nasty boys, blah, blah. Who's that eating that, that nasty, nasty food? food? <laughs> I always laugh at because that. Because I'm like, what did she say? Who's <laughs> that, that eating that, that nasty, nasty food? food? Well, in the title lyrics, it says fruit, but that's, I mean, food fruit. Yeah. It doesn't really know. Who's that gem to my nasty groove? But then, okay, that stuff makes sense. But who's that eating that nasty food <laughs> <laughs> or fruit? <laughs> I'm going with food. That's what I've been saying since it came out. It's always been funny to me. Like, it's that's hilarious. what y'all chose to throw in there yeah, to rhyme with groove. We got nasty car, nasty groove, <laughs> and nasty fruit or food. <laughs> You know, we talked about how in the 90s, a lot of the music was in the 90s. We're doing this. We're doing that. But she was doing this in the 80s because even just the part where she says ladies like that just seems very much like, all right, we women's empowerment, (laughs) right? Ladies stand up. (laughs) (laughs) And she's barely a lady. Yeah. And she said that this song in that same interview, she said that this song came out of her getting catcalled when they were just hanging out. And she came back into the studio and she was just really pissed off and annoyed about these men harassing her. (laughs) These nasty boys. Yep. And that's how this song kind of came about. (laughs) My favorite one on this album, and you're going to see a pattern developing when we talk about the favorite songs on all of these albums. Okay. Funny How Time Flies. That's my favorite one on this album. And I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but it has the same melody as Michael Jackson's The Lady of My Life. I have not noticed that. I noticed it immediately because even in the song, there's a part where she kind of mimics Michael Mm -hmm. as well on. I think what does she say? Something about stay with me. Don't leave. And he says something similar on The Lady of My Life. Uh, I found a, a mashup this DJ did. We will post it on the website, TroyPodcast.com, <laughs> so you can check it out as well. But it's very similar, and you can tell that they use The Lady in My Life okay. to kind of build that song. All right. This mashup will be interesting to hear. It's my favorite one on this album. Okay. Okay. You're not uh, all about the nasty boys? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. If anything, it would be uh, The Pleasure Principle. It was hard to pick. Yeah. Like, this was like hit after hit after hit. There's probably only... I can't remember which one. There's maybe one or two songs that I was like, meh. Yeah, those are probably the two that weren't released as singles. I think it was something like all of the songs became top five hits. And Michael had some on. No, I'm thinking about the next album. Yeah, Rhythm Rhythm Nation. Nation. Where she had all the number ones more than him. Like his were top tens, hers were top fives. But we'll get to that in a second. A little sibling rivalry. Yep. 
So speaking of Rhythm Nation, mm-hmm. let's just move on to that one. Rhythm Nation, 1989. I feel like with this album now, she knows she's got everyone's attention. And the first album felt very much, this is what I want to do. This mm-hmm. is what I'm making this for me. Whereas this, I feel like she realizes she has an audience and a platform, which is probably why there's such a, a social justice element to it. Which yeah. is like, I know I can speak to a lot of people. I have ears now. Yeah. So pretty much the theme of the album is Rhythm Nation, State of the World, the knowledge. Yeah, the first three songs and skits are all about social justice. Mm -hmm. We need to change the world. Mm -hmm. Everything is messed up. And then she gets to the let's dance interlude. Like, okay, you know what (laughs) you came here for? Here we go. Get the point. Good. Let's dance. (laughs) And then we go into miss you much. Yeah. So she gives you what you came for Mm -hmm. for a little bit. But then she also gets back to a little social commentary later. So this album also came with a short film. Which also featured a young Tyron Turner. Yeah, I remember that <laughs> because that's what people were doing back then because of Michael. It's like, you know what? Somebody's going to give me a budget to do a long form video. <laughs> Why not? This felt very Gotham. Yeah. Because everything is like dark and rainy. And this is where she, I mean, they played like Miss You Much. So it wasn't like all social justice yeah. stuff. But it was kind of focused around Tyron's character going through some some stuff. Yeah, he was having some trouble. He was. He was a troubled kid. And then his friend got shot because yeah. they were shiny shoes in the rain. <laughs> because Who that's what you do. Who gets their shoes shine in the rain? And it's then like a gangster or whatever came up and shot the guy that his friend was shining the shoes of. And then he got caught in the fray. And yeah, then he goes don't, and don't finds try and make Janet sense of it. <laughs> so that Janet can confront him and they can talk about the state of the world today. <laughs> Maybe I don't understand art, but visually I was still very into it. <laughs> yeah, I remember, like I said, that's when artists were getting budgets to do all sorts of big shit like that. Mm-hmm. Like obviously Michael, her, mm-hmm. Madonna. MC Hammer was the biggest culprit around this time because <laughs> after he blew up, he's getting these huge budgets for like the too legit to quit video right. and the Adams groove and mm-hmm. all that. So it, what about it was pumps in the bump. That was a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> that was death row hammer. So <laughs> they couldn't give him money for a whole outfit. <laughs> they couldn't. He's Just boots and then got on some Timberland, some cut off <laughs> finger gloves and a Speedo. cheetah print speedo. <laughs> Okay, back to Janet. We don't need <laughs> yes. that visual. This album, Rhythm Nation, mm-hmm. 1814, was the first album in history to have a number one song in three separate years. Yes. That's how long the run for this album was. Yes. That she could have a hit number one song in 1989, mm-hmm. 1990, and 1991. I was actually going to mention that because Love Will Never Do Without You was the last single to be released from this album, which was released in 1991. And even though I loved the first album and this album, this was during a time for me where I was still really like influenced by the people around me, like my sisters or top 40 radio and stuff. So even though I loved it, I kind of loved it the way like a little sister would like it. But I always found it funny that Love Will Never Do Without You stood out so much for me as part of when I had started to develop my personal interest. And when I was reading up on this, I'm like, duh, because it was released three years later. (laughs) So for me, 1989, still kind of influenced by others. But by the time 1991, 92 came around, that's when I started to form my own opinions. Yeah. And even with that three year run, just the different 
types of videos that yes. came from this album. So you got the Rhythm Nation video, mm-hmm. you got Escapade, you got Miss You Much, mm-hmm. you've got the one you were just talking about, and they're all different. Right. And it's coming off of the same album. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was interesting. You got All Right as well. So there was a lot going on. It's very theatrical sometimes, and then other times it's just it her. Little fun fact I also saw in another interview, but you know how she always wore that earring with the key? Yes. So she <laughs> with said her, uh, her chores as a child. Her chores, yes. So it was molded from a real key that she used to wear all the time because her chore as a child was to take care of all their animals. <laughs> and when we say animals, this ain't just your run of the mill dogs, cats, maybe some chickens. Yeah, not a couple Rottweilers in nah, the backyard. So we're, talking, we're talking giraffes, <laughs> peacocks. Yeah. So monkeys her, her chore was to like take care of the pets feed them and clean them and stuff <laughs> she was a zookeeper basically a and teenage zookeeper she kept her key on her earrings instead of a keychain <laughs> that's funny out here cleaning up giraffe shit back to what you were saying about all these different videos they were different but love will never do without you was the most different yeah because all the other ones it's a lot of black yeah. a lot of suits it's a lot of very like strong energy boss bitch kind of energy <laughs> right and then love will never do without you came out she's in the sun yeah out in like the desert or something just Her smiling and happy flying in the wind she's got this little crop top on yeah and it was so light and carefree and to me i don't know if this was planned but it kind of gave us a glimpse into where she was going with the next right. album. We started off with Control, which is like, I have the power now, I have control. And then it went into Rhythm Nation where she's like, I'm going to use my powers for good. <laughs> and then you get Love Will Never Do Out You. And it's like, I'm just going to be carefree yeah. and have fun, which is basically the next album. Yeah. But before we move on. Okay. What's your favorite song on Rhythm Nation 1814? I want to say... Love Will Never Do Without You, because I think personally, that just kind of stayed with me the longest because, like I said, this was kind of where I was developing my personal taste. So I'm going to go with that. It was hard picking songs because there's so many that I love, but I'm going to stick with that. All right. So I told you there was a theme developing when it comes to my favorite Janet Jackson songs. Mm -hmm. On this one, it's come back to me and I will explain to you why. Funny How Time Flies and Come Back to Me are my favorite Janet Jackson songs from this era. Because when I was 9 to 11 is when these albums were coming out. Okay. This was a time when I went from, ooh, girls, nasty, <laughs> to like, ooh, girls. <laughs> nasty. <laughs> nasty. So you couldn't tell me that I wasn't going to grow up and marry Janet Jackson. <laughs> oh, so she, you thought she was singing to you? Yeah. I, I was supposed to be... Renee and James DeBarge. <laughs> that was going to be me when I turned 18. Mm-hmm. That's how 11 year old Miguel was thinking. <laughs> so that's why these are my kind of favorite Janet songs. Okay, okay. So moving on to the next album, just called Janet. So the Janet that we met on Funny How Time Flies, mm-hmm. she here now. Yes, and Love Will Never Do Without You. Yes, she's here now. So this is 1993. She releases Janet. And I think of this after listening to it in present day. Right. I'm like, this is Hot Girl Summer. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because it's all about hanging out with my girlfriends, as you hear in all the interludes, meeting guys. Yep. Catching flights, not feelings. (laughs) (laughs) 
And the only thing is she threw in new agenda just to let you know, I still yeah. care. Like I- I'm still thinking about y'all, but where the men at. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very much me and my girls want to have fun. The visuals were that way. The yeah. songs are that way. Like even the last song, I think it might've been a bonus song. The whoops now. Yeah. The song is literally, I'm going to call my boss and tell him I can't come into work because <laughs> I'm hanging out with my friends. Like I she, have something better to she do. She literally says, I'm hanging out with my friends and <laughs> lists all their names at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so if you liked what you saw in Love Will Never Do Without You, this is the whole album of that. So when this came out, mm-hmm. I was 18. I was just about to graduate high school. And you this still is, thought you could marry her? No, this is when I kind of realized it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Reality had set in, so I could only love her from afar. Okay. But the same thing, I, I still like these songs, though. My favorite one, though, continuing the theme, is Anytime, Anyplace. Yeah. Followed closely, though, by That's the Way Love Goes. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> just her grinding around in the video with her belly out. And all your fave dancers that we've gotten to know and love to were in the video. Yep. And was very J-Lo in that one? Chill life. She was. Okay. J-Lo and the girl with the braids that we've seen in like a bunch of other right. videos too. And of course her, her choreographer, Tina. Yeah. And a few other, her regular dancers. Yeah. I love That's the Way Love Goes. It's really hard to separate the visuals from the songs with Janet because the videos and the choreography and stuff is so ingrained into her yeah, music. Yeah, that's a huge element of it. Yeah. So my favorite song is If, and I think it's because... Okay. The dance sequences? Not just the dance sequences, the whole video. Like, I literally get chills or a little excited every time I hear that little opening... <laughs> you know? <laughs> and you see the guys coming down from the ceiling. Okay. And then... They got the dancers coming out and tons of Asian people, too. <laughs> like, look, Asians, even though they were just peripheral characters. Yes. You got the girls dancing and then the doors open. This red ribbons flying. She comes strutting out hair flying in the wind and this choreography. So I haven't done a little story time in a while. Story time. So she performed like a medley of That's the Way Love Goes and If at the 93 VMAs. And as everyone did at this time, we all tried to learn the choreography. I didn't. Well, (laughs) you're too busy dancing to if it isn't love. (laughs) That's true. And I was just watching her dance. I wasn't trying to dance. So, of course, I learned the choreography and then managed to talk some girls at school to learn with me. Because that's what you did back in those days. Not only that, we talked some teachers into letting us. 14 and 15 year old girls perform it of course at a pep rally it sounds like high school to me and i'm pretty sure the teachers weren't really paying attention to the lyrics except i had not. one teacher where he was like y'all gonna let them do that <laughs> and now i'm thinking about it. it's so weird being a teenager because you understand <laughs> things but you don't understand things he's saying we're about to get fired yeah because you're smooth and shiny against my lips <laughs> I, I mean, I knew what she was talking about. But when you're a teenager, you think you're grown. You're like, it's fine. Right. But you don't really realize how bad. <laughs> you on the rise as you're touching my thighs. We were dancing to this in front of the school. <laughs> it's like Ice Cube performing. We be clubbing on Nickelodeon. Exactly. But 
I was the lead choreographer slash Janet. Okay. <laughs> so I did have the presence of mind to at least not try to recruit any boys. So there was no simulated sex. Right. As the choreographer. You weren't slapping dudes nope. on the head left and right. Yeah, or like grabbing their crotches. There was no gra- <laughs> crotch grabbing. And I did tone down a few things to make up for not having male dancers. And we avoided the crotch area. But there was... <laughs> Shaking and grooving. <laughs> this is another one of those moments where I wish you had video. I do. This. Oh. There's a VHS in our storage. All right. Tape that has it. But the problem is. We don't have a VCR. We do. <laughs> you still have it? It's all in the storage. I didn't. I thought we got rid of the I VCR. I told you about this, but I never wanted to show you because while you were thinking you could marry Janet, I thought I could dance for Janet. <laughs> And I've never showed you because I'm embarrassed because I realized I wasn't as good as I thought I was. <laughs> so I'm not have to bad, watch it. but I'm not great. We <laughs> have to watch it and we should post it on Instagram. Too. I just, oh, there's a couple other routines on that VHS tape. Oh, yeah. we. we I thought I was out. ready to become one of Janet's dancers <laughs> because I remember in the performance, there was one dancer who was always just. She was kind of off. Right. She just wasn't as on point as everyone else. I'm like, if she can do it, I can do it. Hey, it's not too late. Oh, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I was like, Abbotsford, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just as you realized you couldn't marry Janet, I also realized I would never be a professional dancer. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> but I was watching it in preparation for this and I still somewhat remember the choreography. All right. So About when like we're done, 80% of it, I want to see it. <laughs> I want to see you pull off a little bit of it because I'm always pulling out routines around here. So you need to as well. Uh, we'll Come on, man. Let's do it. Maybe I'll just do a little show you some arms. All right. I'll take it. Yes. So I have a very special relationship to if. Okay. Because again, like I said, this video blew my mind. We're used to seeing her doing a lot of dancing and stuff. We've come to expect that from yeah. her. But something about this, the way the song sounds, the visuals, the routine, it was so hard and soft at the same time. The choreography. I get what you're saying. There's this one part where in the lyrics she says, you looking at me. And in the routine, she just does a simple pointing at you and me. But it is so perfect. <laughs> and I'm like, how does she just do a simple pointing you, me? And make it look so cool. <laughs> I don't remember that specific point. I do. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and look at that. But you'll at see it. what I'm saying when when I say that like somehow they made it very hard and soft yeah. at the same time. That I can, I can see. Okay. And I just, I love it so much. And I definitely know I love it because of the accompanying visuals. Because yeah. I watched a couple concert performances of that song. And you know when you do concert performances, sometimes it sounds a little different, right? Yeah. Or there was one performance where they wore like costumes that I didn't really like okay. in comparison to how um, they were dressed in the video. And I was right. like, oh, so maybe I only like this song when it's exactly like this. That makes sense. Yeah. So I feel like I would say that's my favorite song because it left such an impression on me. But I do love That's the Way Love Goes and Again are pretty close seconds. Again, that was nominated for an Academy Award, but somehow isn't on the Poetic Justice soundtrack. Yes. So that, that makes no sense. Hilarious. Because so Poetic Justice came out same year, 1993. And we rewatched. We rewatched this. Why, why am I talking like <laughs> Elmer Fudd? We watched it last night. <laughs> we watched it last night. And it's just funny that they played again throughout the whole movie. 
And then it wasn't but even on something the soundtrack. I noticed as the credits were rolling, that wasn't again that they were playing. Oh. That was Justice's theme mm. that they were playing throughout the movie. Yeah, they had it like it was, you know, slightly different in terms of the instruments. But it's kind of like in Star Wars where they keep playing that March song. Yeah. And they'll have like all different versions of it. Yeah, yeah. That was basically what they were doing. Just like the Tupac Pain not right. being on a cassette, but it's on the CD version of The Above the Rim, which still bothers me. But at least we can stream it now. We can. Pain is now on streaming services. Yay! Yay, raise the roof. <laughs> Speaking of Tupac, he was also in... Poetic Justice. Yes, playing oh, Lawrence so Lucky. It was a very cute movie. This was my second time seeing it, mm-hmm. and I still have the exact same questions that I had back in 1993 when it first came out. What's it? Same thing I kept telling you the entire time we're watching is like, what route are they taking oh. <laughs> from L.A. to Oakland? We looked it up. We did, and it seems that they were driving from north of Oakland south down to Oakland rather than driving north up to Oakland. Yeah, they're supposed to go north from LA to Oakland. Yeah. But they were already past Oakland and right. ended up having to drive south back down to Oakland. <laughs> like all the places that they were stopping at, we looked up the locations <laughs> and they were all north of Oakland. Maybe they just made for better shooting scenes. It did because they're locations. just driving on this little two lane highway, <laughs> which probably would take an additional two hours to get to because yeah. it's already a five hour trip from LA to Oakland. And I'm like, where in the hell are they going? <laughs> are they not on the freeway? Yeah. At least take Pacific Coast Highway if you're going to do this. But they, they're driving through the goddamn mountains. I don't know. It made no sense to me. <laughs> they needed the backdrop. I think that John Singleton just couldn't get a permit to shoot on the freeway. It's possible, but the freeway wouldn't be as picturesque. It wouldn't. And people would be stopping and looking at Tupac. And, and how could Guy Tupac Torrey try fighting? to throw his brush into the, <laughs> over the side of the mountain if they were on the freeway? That's true. He still wasn't able to. He wasn't because he it flew out of his hand as he tried to throw it, but, but still. Well, this movie coming out the same time, basically, as the album, like, the two things are kind of ingrained together for yeah. me. And the fact that they kept playing, quote, Justice's theme, <laughs> slash, again, also makes it seem like they're one and the same. Right. But I definitely enjoyed the rewatch of the movie, and this was not really a re-listen of Janet. I listened to this not as often as some other stuff I listened to, but it wasn't like, ooh, haven't listened to this in a while. Yeah, this was the first time I listened to this album in years. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember the, the last time I listened to it before this week. I would say I probably listened to it at least sometime in the last six months or at least okay. a couple songs. Yeah, it's been a while since mm-hmm. I listened to this album. Or maybe watched some videos or something. I'm sure I've probably gone down some, I'm going to watch some Janet choreo. On YouTube, what's it called when you go down? Rabbit hole. Rabbit hole, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think I check in every now and again to see if I still remember the choreo. Okay. (laughs) Also around this time is when she did the Velvet Rope. Mm -hmm. And if we're talking about the Janet from Funny How Time Flies Mm -hmm. was on the Janet album. The Janet on the Velvet Rope. It's something completely different. (laughs) It's a whole different animal on this album. She's grown up some more. Yeah, that's (laughs) one way of putting it. The freak has come out. Yes. Completely. This is Miss Janet, if you're nasty. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like, I am nasty. Yes. I just didn't know it back then, (laughs) but I'm nasty. Well, I mean, we saw it in Janet as well, but this was like 
Yeah, it, it's out there. It's all out there. Yeah, <laughs> this was like nipple ring. Yeah, Janet, tie me up, Janet. Yeah, all that. <laughs> <laughs> she was here for all of it. And this was also red hair Janet. Yeah, I love red hair Janet. That's when we got our first glimpse of that. And just listening to the album, what was it, yesterday or day before? The fact that she's on the phone calling her homegirl <laughs> and flicking the bean at the same time. <laughs> oh, and her friend is just like, girl, you nasty. Like, but what are you doing? Was, she was not quite unfazed, but she wasn't as phased as she should be. Which tells me that this happens all the time. All the time. What did she say? Your coochie gonna swell up and fall apart. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> Like, why are you calling me? Yeah, right now? like you couldn't wait to go ahead and finish this <laughs> off. You trying to have a conversation about we going out tonight? <laughs> like, this is unnecessary. We didn't need that. <laughs> but that's the Janet that we have at this point in time. Well, I was telling you, I saw someone say on Twitter, Janet. Well, Janet loves her interludes. Yes, and her interludes is either racism is bad or I need some sex. <laughs> There's either nothing or. in between, really. <laughs> <laughs> either or. <laughs> Yeah, this was also a great album. The hits continue. This was released in 1997. So by this point, she's had quite the run because you have Control coming out in 1986. So this is like 11 Mm -hmm. years after Control. And she's still up here. That's what happens when you get to do what you want. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) It's like, I don't need to follow the Jackson blueprint that Joe laid out for me over here. I'm going to go over here and do my own thing. And it worked. This one felt like she was experimenting a little bit more with like, I wouldn't say hip hop sound, but like she had the I Get Lonely remix with Blackstreet. She had Q-Tip on Got Till It's Gone. So I feel like she was kind of toning down the pop a little bit on this album. Well, with Got Till It's Gone, there's a little bit of controversy over this. Oh. Jay Dilla says that they produced the record, him, Ali, and Q-Tip, and not Jimmy and Terry. Mm. He's always stood by this. Mm-hmm. He can't prove it. And Jimmy says that they heard one of his remixes for the brand new heavies that had Q-Tip on it, and they were inspired by that. So they tried mm. to make a Jay Dilla type beat. I can't confirm what actually happened. And I love Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. <laughs> Anybody who has heard this podcast know I'm always singing their praises. Yes. They hadn't made anything before that that yeah. sounded like this song or anything since. That's all I'm saying. Well, all I'm going to say is that's my favorite song on this album. Me too. <laughs> because it sounds like the stuff that, well, they call their production team the Umma. Jay Dilla, mm-hmm. Q-Tip, and Ali Shaheed Muhammad. So all of the Tribe Called Quest stuff and the Bust Rhyme stuff and the D'Angelo stuff that they were doing sounds like this. Right. So that's why I think he's telling the truth about it. <laughs> they just didn't get the credit for right. it. Because it's really coincidental or not even coincidental to have that sound. And you just happen to say, let's put Q-Tip on right. it too. If Q-Tip wasn't on the song and they just made it, I'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like that and Q-Tip is on it. Right. Just saying there's, okay. there might be something there. Okay, okay. And then him making a remix to it, an official remix too. And it's called JD's Revenge <laughs> Remix. That tells me he might be telling the truth. Right. But he's no longer with us to confirm. Right. But the interview I saw, he was adamant that they did that. Before. Okay. Well, this song, as I was saying, had more of like a hip hop influence to it. Janet is one of the very few artists that I like that are not more traditionally hip hop R&B. But of course, when she does dabble in that, I'm going to like it. <laughs> so, of course. Because that's where 
I usually live. So it's no surprise that this one would be my favorite song of this off of this album. But the fact that Janet is, to me, she's more of a pop artist, but that I just loved her through my, you know, not really knowing what I like to being firmly into knowing what I like. But okay. somehow Janet still makes her way through there all the time. And I like songs that I normally wouldn't like, like her club hits and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I shouldn't <laughs> like, but I do. Yeah. Was it Velvet Rope where she has that like, ding, 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 ding. What's that song called? I don't know what you're doing <laughs> right now. Uh, I don't have the listing in front of me. But anyway, she has like, you know, those club hits. I think back in those days, they called them club kids. Yeah. <laughs> Where they'd wear like crazy outfits. I remember she performed it on, I think, Saturday Night Live. And this one guy had the hat with the horns on it. Okay. <laughs> just had all these wacky outfits. And stuff. I don't remember that. So I'm going to have to look <laughs> this one up. Oh, yeah. You need Throb. That's oh, what it's yeah. Called. And normally I hate songs with moaning and groaning on it. But I'll make the exception for Janet. It seemed to fit. I mean, the song's called Throb. Exactly. And it's meant for those kinds of environments <laughs> where people don't mind hearing this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, I would never like a song like Throb. It's rare that I would like a song like that. Yeah, or same. Even just, like, What'll I Do? I think that's on the Janet album, actually. But it has more of, like, a rock-ish sound. Right. Like, I usually don't funky big band like she has a lot of just songs in genres that i would normally not like but i i like it yeah same there are a lot of songs that i only accept from her <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i don't know why i like them uh -huh. i just do but also you know i have this weird fascination with kylie minogue's fever album as yeah well, and i can't understand why <laughs> yes <laughs> it makes no sense to me but i love that damn album i don't way more than a black man in los angeles should <laughs> Who grew up listening to Run DMC yeah, who and grew NWA? Up listening to NWA loves <laughs> Kylie Minogue's Fever album. Your musical interest is actually wider than mine, but that's a little bit weird. Yeah, that one even surprises me. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why I love it so much. I just do. Am I going to catch you doing some dancing to Throb? No. <laughs> no, you, you're you not going to see dance me on? doing any oons oons. I'm in the. <laughs> Bisa Club. With your shirt off. Yeah, shirt. <laughs> Just swinging it over my head and sweating. Some shorts, little booty shorts. Yeah, pop the molly, I'm sweating. Won't be seeing any of that. Mm -hmm, until they throw on some Kylie. No, even then. No. <laughs> uh. So also around this time is mm -hmm. when she did the Nutty Professor part two. Yes. Even though she's in the movie, mm -hmm. the movie's basically Eddie Murphy playing 80 different people. As, as he does. <laughs> yeah. So she didn't really have that big of a role, even though she's the second star mm -hmm. in the movie. It's all about him and mm. his multiple characters. To me, anybody could have been in that role because the movie before it was Jada Pinkett playing his love interest and now it's Janet Jackson. So she really didn't have much to show, but it, it was still a cool movie. I don't remember if I watched it. I think the most I remember of that movie was her song, Doesn't Really Matter. <laughs> <laughs> it was on a couple weeks ago when okay. you walked through and it was on TV and I was oh, looking at right, it. Right. But I, I don't think I've personally watched the movie. I'm not sure. I've seen it a few times. Okay. It, I shouldn't say this, but if you've got nothing else to do and this movie is on don't watch it <laughs> you can find something else to do don't watch this movie it's not worth your time or effort to track down nutty professor to the clumps just go listen to you doesn't really matter instead yeah just skip straight I mean, you to can the see soundtrack. some clips in the video yeah you can <laughs> just listen to the soundtrack you don't need to watch the movie it's not very good. yeah i'm pretty sure i had the soundtrack and that's probably why i 
feel like I might have watched the movie, but I don't think I did. Yeah. If you want to see Eddie Murphy play several people, watch it. But if you want a a movie with a good plot, (laughs) no, this is not it. The first one was way better. So with the Velvet Rope, as Mm -hmm. I said, this is like an 11-year reign now. And when I say 11, I mean from her independent career. Right. Because as we said, she's been doing stuff way before since yeah. she was born, basically. <laughs> yeah. So right from control, she was already breaking barriers, right? Mm-hmm. But at this point, she is set in the game, which, of course, is going to influence a lot of artists yeah. coming after her. At this time, this is what I always looked at as 80s, 90s, early 2000s mm-hmm. pop music in terms of female artists. Whitney Houston, Madonna, Mariah, and Janet. That's your Mount Rushmore. Right. And everything trickles down from them. Mm -hmm. And they're all different. So each of them influenced different stars that we knew who came after. Who are the people that you think trickled down from the the Janet portion of Mount Rushmore? Well, I think the most obvious is Britney Spears. Yeah. Because just the the extensive choreography and the showmanship, especially in her. I mean, I didn't, I don't follow Britney Spears career too closely. So maybe not the hit me baby one more time since that was her first single. Yeah. She had dancing and stuff, but it was more bubblegum, I guess. But when you see later on, like when she started doing the the major choreography, I'm a slave for you and stuff around that time. And probably a little bit before, like I said, I don't know her career too much i actually ended up watching the video for boys because i had read that i'm a slave for you and boys was actually written for all for you but i guess she didn't want it and britney took it so when i watched the video for boys i'm like this is basically nasty (laughs) (laughs) and i think it's pretty clear and i think she's also said that janet is a huge influence in her but when i watched it i'm like this is like me in my living room pretending to be Janet. It's <laughs> like, that's what Britney's doing. <laughs> right? like In front of people. Yeah, like she, and this is no shade to Britney. I'm just saying when you watch her, like I can't unsee Janet. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else mm-hmm. who I think of, it's just small bits and pieces. Right. But Britney basically took the entire Janet package and downloaded it. And again, no shade towards Britney, but she was definitely influenced by Janet Jackson. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, I think any, especially any female artist that dances a lot, they have to be influenced by Janet, right? But I think the difference with her is like, it's Janet 101. Right. Even the, this little hip move that Janet kind of always does, like the non-choreographed stuff is Janet. The little hip move, the little, "Ah, that she's always like (laughs) laughing through her songs. Just these little, what is the word? Like gestures and stuff is very Janet. And because, like I said, I don't follow Britney's career that much. I didn't realize how obvious it was until I actually sat down and watched a couple videos and watched her. I'm like, that's Janet. (laughs) (laughs) Britney fans, don't come for me. This is no shade. It's just an observation. (laughs) It's true. Even if you're a huge Britney fan, you have to acknowledge that's where she got it from. It's funny that She has these songs that were originally written for Janet and Justin Timberlake has these songs that were originally written for Michael Jackson Mm -hmm. and turned down. I'm not saying anything else. I'm just (laughs) putting that out there. Um, Everything comes from the Jacksons. They're also influenced by other people as well. Yeah. Everybody kind of shares whether they want to or not. Yeah. (laughs) But with Janet, it's a lot more obvious with the people that she's influenced because you got Sierra, yes, who is a definite Janet disciple. JLo was literally there mm-hmm. <laughs> studying from JLo the background. JLo was her dancer. <laughs> exactly. So she had an up close and personal look at it. Yeah. Christina Aguilera tried it. She's but not much of a dancer. Yeah. Even though when she tried to do the, the dirty song with yeah. Red Man, uh-huh. that was very Janet. 
Yeah. That was her version of trying to be Janet. You could see that. The whole Extina phase. Mm-hmm. That's Janet Jackson. That's very, uh, you want this. Yeah. The 1993 Janet. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even Lady Gaga. There's mm-hmm. some Janet there too. Like more people think Madonna when it comes to Lady Gaga, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of Janet in there too. There's a lot of Madonna too. though. <laughs> there's definitely a lot of Madonna. Yeah. But there's a lot of Janet there too. Tana Taylor. Yes. That dance she did in one of Kanye's videos where she was in the gym. Yes. That very much reminded me of early pleasure principle type of Janet. Yeah. And just a couple months ago, Mm -hmm. Normani performed with with Tana Taylor. And did the exact. Strapping her to the cross and giving her lap dance on stage. Which I just showed you earlier (laughs) from uh, one of her (laughs) concerts. That dude was killing me. (laughs) Just shaking. So she definitely influenced the girls and probably some boys. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like you can't say that Usher and Justin Timberlake and mm. Mario and Neo weren't influenced by yeah. Janet as well. Okay. So she's had this 10 plus year reign, but she's not done yet. Nope. Because All For You comes out in 2001. And I feel like she went back to that carefree hot girl summer vibes that yeah. we had from Janet in All For You. Because she had just gotten divorced. Divorce party. <laughs> Basically. In um, Son of a Gun. Ooh, stupid bitch in my beach house. <laughs> I think that was Renee she was talking about. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> I do get some delight out of hearing her call someone a stupid bitch. I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> about him. It might not be about him. That's I true. bet you think this song is about Yes, him? because <laughs> it does sample, uh, what's your name, Carly Simon? Yep. You're so vain. I bet you think the song is about you. So maybe it's not about Renee. It's about someone else. But Renee thinks it's about him mm-hmm. because and, that's how vain he is. And he'll never know. Nope. Because <laughs> she's not going to confirm it. I really like Carly Simon on this song. Like it works. I mean, obviously it's her song <laughs> right. that they're sampling, but it sounds good to have her also singing in the song. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of times samples are generally not used as is. Right. It's reworked to fit the song, but actually having her come on and sing on the song too. Yeah. And do her little spoken word stuff. I'm like, <laughs> this works. <laughs> yeah. Oh, All For You also, the song, the single broke some more records. Okay. So upon its debut, it was the first song in history to be added to every pop, urban, and rhythmic radio station within its first week of release. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Yes. And it's going to tie into something. That I'm going to talk about later. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's very interesting. (laughs) So this one, she had Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, as usual, work on it. But she also had some songs with The Rockwilder. The Rockwilder? No, it's just Rockwilder. (laughs) Okay. The song, The Rockwilder. I think I'm getting it mixed up. So, of course, this is delightful for me because then we get a little bit hip-hop-ish for Janet. Yeah, (laughs) it it doesn't go too far. Not too far. She's still in in her lane, but we get a little bit of that influence, which, of course, I would like. Right. Which kind of leads into, well, my favorite song, which is Feel So Right, which Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis is credited on it, but Rock (laughs) Rolder is also credited on it. And it sounds like him. Right. It kind of sounds like Janet's version of the Rock Rolder, like that kind of, you know, that sound. So that one's my favorite song on this album, though. 
there's a bunch that I love. Like I love All for You. I love When We Ooh, Son of a Gun. So there's some good stuff on here. Yeah, this is probably my favorite Janet album. Okay. And you know the song that's been stuck in my head for two weeks. Come on, get up. <laughs> yeah. It's not my favorite song on the album, but it's been stuck in my head for two it's damn weeks. It's your favorite weeks. song now. It's my favorite song now. You got no choice. <laughs> I didn't want it to be, but it is. That's a good one though. But it's just been stuck in my head for two weeks and I can't get it out no matter how many different Janet Jackson songs I've listened to <laughs> over that same period of time. Yep. This one, it's still in my head. I'm singing it right now. <laughs> well, now I'm singing it because you put it in my head. It's not my favorite, but I like it. My okay. favorite is actually China Love. That's my favorite one. I like that one too. Like I said, there's a theme when it comes to Janet Jackson mm-hmm. and my favorite songs. Mm-hmm. The ones that you can daydream to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, me and Janet. Yep. <laughs> Just hang it out on the beach. Yeah, so this one, it's kind of crazy that she just had hit after hit after hit. Like, it's so hard to stay relevant. But this is how many albums is that now? So we got Control, Rhythm Nation, Janet, Velvet Rope, All For You. So that's five albums in a row. Yeah, and it got to the point where, I don't know if it was this album or the Mm -hmm. one before it, Mm -hmm. but she had signed the biggest recording contract in music history. And you just don't give that kind of money to anybody. (laughs) That, That means that she's a star. Yeah. But what's funny is I was just looking at Janet's popularity throughout the years and I kept seeing people from outside of North America saying that she's not that big. So my homies in the UK can confirm this. Hit me up on Twitter and let us know that she wasn't being promoted outside of North America, which is weird to think because it's Janet Jackson. Right. But there's so many people that's like, you know what? She wasn't really played like in the UK and Australia. Like you would hear a few things about her, but right. not like she was getting here in Canada and U.S., hmm, Interesting, which is surprising considering that you're paying her all this money, but you're not pushing her out everywhere. Mm-hmm. I find that to be weird. Or maybe these people were just lying. So <laughs> if you live in countries outside of North America, hit us up and let us know what it was like for you listening to Janet Jackson in those days. I'm curious. Me too, because I just assumed that she was everywhere. Right. All right, so with that wrapped up, let's talk a little bit about the Demita Joe album. So this is where it kind of goes off for me. (laughs) Yeah, same. And it's not because I didn't like it. Like you always say, it's just it was a different way of us consuming music at the time. So I really only know the singles. Yeah, and just like pretty much all the other artists that we've talked about that have had careers that have spanned a long time. This is the same time frame where I just kind of lost interest in general. So that's that early, mid-2000s. Right. This is probably the first time I've listened to the whole album. But again, by this time, streaming and stuff was pretty normal. And so we started to become more singles driven. Yeah. So I have another theory okay. about why I sort of lost more interest in new music. It's not to say that I didn't grow and learn and change anymore, but at this age... Things in my life didn't change as much, whereas you do so much growing from like 10 years old to 30, right? Right. And because so much of music is, as we've seen with these YouTube comments, is tied to things that are going on in your life. Yeah, real specific moments. My dog died and then the ghost came back and and killed my husband. These YouTube comments are wild. Like it's a therapy (laughs) session. It is. And so a lot of when I think about the songs and the music and the artists I love, a lot of it is tied to either specific events or even just a specific point in time. Like, I remember being a teenager. I remember my first breakup. I remember like 
And these life events and stuff just didn't really happen that much after that time period. Like things are kind of just the same. Right. <laughs> right? And so I feel like because I just don't have this personal connection to a lot of music after that time. That's probably why it just doesn't really stick out to me as yeah. much. Whereas we bring up if I can't not try to do the choreography, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that was a thing that was yeah. like important to me at the time. And so all of this music tied with just where I was at in my life, I was just, I don't know, if I was feeling something, I already have a whole arsenal of music right. to go to. But also I think like we grew up with Janet throughout like the late 80s and 90s. And now we're hitting the 2000s where we expect a certain sound from her. But she's also trying to stay current. Right. Now I'm old enough to that I don't necessarily want to listen to current music per se. Right. So there's just that like, who's her audience now? Kind of like when we talked about Usher after he blew up, the music kind of changed because yeah. now he has a different audience. Right. And she has like a different audience now. There are people like us who grew up with her. She's got people who maybe just discovered her in All For You. Right. Or, and so I think as an artist, then now they have to try to maybe keep up with their new audience or try to stay fresh and current, then the sound just kind of changes. Yeah. It's, it's not what I want to hear from her anymore. Right. Another issue with this album is it came out two months after the Super Bowl. Yeah. So it didn't get promoted right. at all. So the, the usual channels that we would hear the music on the radio, mm -hmm. videos being played, all of that was taken away. Right. And I didn't realize how bad it had gotten. Mm -hmm. Like I knew that people weren't fucking with her. Yeah. But I didn't realize the campaign that Les Moonves had against her. I didn't know either. Basically, after it happened, they were supposed to be performing on the Grammys as well, her and Justin Timberlake. She didn't perform. Justin did. Even mm -hmm. though Les Moonves said they were both banned, mm -hmm. allegedly he wanted them to come to his office and apologize in person as if they did something to him personally. I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> he wanted them to each individually come to his office and basically kiss the ring. And she didn't do it. Justin did. He got to perform on the Grammys and we know how his career went. Mm -hmm. Les Moonves, being the chairman of Viacom CBS, basically had Janet banned from all CBS stations. So. MTV, BET, VH1, wow. Nickelodeon, Country Music Channel. She couldn't even be on the Country Music Channel. Showtime, wow. all of that. Shut that shit down. All radio stations owned by Viacom, CBS. Shut that down. Mm. We're not just talking about the United States. We're talking globally. So did that single come out before all this? Because I literally only know that one song. I don't know when that one came mm. out, but everything he had shut down. Okay. And like I said, we're talking globally. Okay. Like all the MTV networks, we're talking MTV Australia, Brazil, right. Europe, anywhere there's a Viacom property, Janet couldn't be played on it. That's a lot. All because she wouldn't come kiss his ass and beg for forgiveness when it happened to her. Right. She didn't do it. She didn't rip her titty out and show it. <laughs> she didn't. Justin did it, but she took the blame for it. And Which makes no sense because obviously this was a performance they did together. And yes, he was supposed to rip off something, but yeah. she was the one who bore the brunt of this wardrobe malfunction. Yep. And he says that she did it on purpose for publicity. And that's why that and... So her, how did she do it on purpose if he's part of it? I don't know. You got to ask Les Moonves. <laughs> but he would not allow anything Janet Jackson to be played anywhere. Oh, you don't want to come bow down and kiss the ring? Mm -hmm. Fuck you. I'm going to end your career. And that's basically what he did for quite a while because it was years before she was actually, she's just now getting back to being out in the public eye. Yeah, because these next few albums, 
I just kind of chalked it up to just me. <laughs> like, I just kind of stopped listening to stuff. Yeah. I hear the songs here and there, like My Baby from Demita Joe, The Call on Me, and like, there's a couple songs here and there in the next three albums, but I don't really know them. I remember listening to the 20YO when it first came out. I didn't really like it because it basically sounds like The Emancipation of Mimi because mm. that had just come out the year before. Yeah. So it's the three of them, but they added Jermaine to the mix. And basically he was giving them what sounded to me like Mariah type production. Yeah. It's funny that it didn't work because I like what he does with Mariah, but I didn't like this. Yeah, exactly. Like that only works for her, at least in my opinion. Right. Like it sounds weird with Janet on it, mm. if that makes any sense, because he was on the first half of the album mm -hmm. and then the second half was just the three of them again. Yeah. It works for Mariah. It just didn't work for Janet, for Janet, at least to me. Which kind of sucks because this was like her 20 year yeah. anniversary album, basically. Right. But. She's a big enough star that it's not like you'll write her off. Yeah. And it wasn't bad. It just. No, it just didn't it was okay. work for me. Mm -hmm. Although one of the songs that I do like is Do It To Me. And that's one of the JD songs. So I'll give him a pass on that one. Yeah. I normally like Jermaine Dupri's production, but this just didn't work for me. And I don't understand why. Yeah. Just didn't. Well, the next one, Discipline. I don't know none of these songs. <laughs> I do. I actually listened to that one because I was curious just to see how it would sound. And she hadn't been around in a couple years. So yeah. I checked it out. Well, the one after that, she took a break after this. Yeah. I'm guessing probably at this point, she was just like, let me just regroup. Well, she had gotten married again. Oh, and yeah. Had right. a baby. So she was doing living other life. stuff. She was living <laughs> like real life stuff. So right, and, right, and she right. had gotten back into acting, too. Mm -hmm. So she was a little busier. Yeah. And probably still dealing with the whole Super Bowl mess. Yeah. Like, you know what? This shit ain't worth it. Let me go start a family and mm -hmm. get back to my first love acting. Right. Yeah. I didn't listen to that album at all. I've never heard it. Yeah. I recognize the album cover. That's all. But yeah, I don't know any of the songs. So I'm going to listen to it tomorrow. Oh, you haven't listened to it. Nope, I haven't listened to it at all. So this one's no, Jam and Lewis is not on it. It's mostly Jermaine and some Rodney Jerkins. Oh, Discipline. I oh, thought Dis we were talking Un about Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Oh, no, no. So I'm Discipline, I have her. Oh, okay. So Unbreakable is, I guess, can you call it a comeback? Because Discipline was 2008, Unbreakable came out 2015. That's a bit of, of a comeback because that's okay. what I thought you were talking about. So okay. that's why I said she had had the kid and gotten married oh, yeah. and all that stuff. <laughs> so disregard everything I said before that. All right. <laughs> Well, I liked this album because, so she's back with Jam and Lewis for this album. And it feels like what I was saying, how when an artist has been around for a long time, you kind of have certain expectations of what they sound like, mm -hmm. but she still manages to stay current. So my okay. favorite song on this album, I don't really know this album well, but I remember hearing No Sleep. Yeah, that's the Cole. only one that I've heard. Yeah. And I was like, Janet's back. Because <laughs> it was like, I loved the song because it sounds like, Janet with yeah. Jam and Lewis. But I think at this time, J. Cole, that was when he was kind of like on his rise. Right. And so she was able to incorporate a current hot artist or whatever. And it didn't yeah. sound weird. Like, why is this old lady singing with the young <laughs> or whatever? Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. And I was like, okay, this is the Janet I know and love, but it's a new song. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, again, I think it's just harder for me to just like the more current music, even if it's an artist that I've listened to for literally decades. Right. 
But No Sleep definitely encompasses that old sound with the new sound. And that shows that she can still, she still got it. Right. Like she hasn't completely fallen off and <laughs> no. we need to put her in a rocking chair somewhere. <laughs> it's not that time yet. No. Yeah. That's the only song on the album that I've listened to. Mm-hmm. So like I was saying earlier, when I thought we were talking about <laughs> it, I will listen to the rest of the album. I don't really remember <laughs> the songs off the top of my head other than No Sleep. But I remember thinking like, okay, I could get with this. Like this is a current version of old stuff I guess <laughs> kind of like again back to when we were talking about Usher how for us we had that little drop and then that last album A no not A no A was the one you didn't yes, like the one with he was like in a they made a rock oh uh, um, hard to love hard to love that was the one where it's like okay this feels like the Usher I know right I would say the same for this album this feels like the Janet I know okay even though it's 2015 <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely check it out I will add it to my list right now okay done it's downloading <laughs> All right, so that's pretty much it for the music. She's had some singles here and there, but for the most part. No album since then. I read that she is working on an album. Okay. And it was supposed to come out, what are we in now, 2022? It was supposed Mm -hmm. to come out two years ago, but COVID. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Because I saw her actually like going on talk shows, promoting it and whatnot, saying that the album's coming. Okay. Who knows when it's going to come out now because... COVID. <laughs> yeah. But she said it's called uh, Black Diamond. Okay. And there was a tour planned oh. and all that stuff. So it's probably still coming. We'll see. Uh, we do know that the documentary mm-hmm. is airing tonight. Oh. So there's uh, it's the 40th anniversary of her first album. Tonight as in the night of us recording this? No, the night that this is coming out. Okay. So January. We record a couple weeks early. Yeah. So January 28th, <laughs> it's a two night event. It's produced by her and her brother. So you're okay. getting it straight from her for the first time all ever. Right, a two right. night. And we get to find out pretty much everything. Okay. Okay. So I want to ask you now that we've wrapped all of this up. Mm-hmm. Actually, two things. What is your favorite Janet Jackson moment and what is your favorite Janet Jackson era? All right. I'm going to answer the favorite Janet Jackson era first. Okay. Because that's going to lead into my favorite moment. So definitely 1993 Hot Girl Summer, Carefree Janet. That's my favorite. I just love it. And also, as I was saying, I think it's just that emotional attachment to it. I was a teenager and stuff when this came out and learning all the dance moves. And it's just all about hanging out with your friends. Yeah. And also 1993 for me was kind of like the pivotal year of just coming into my own and stuff, too. So it kind of all comes together. Yeah. So my favorite Janet moment, though, I can't get over her and Tupac fighting in um, (laughs) Poetic Justice. I better not see your ass in L.A. I, you know, I say this <laughs> yes. all the time just because. Them just going back and forth. Fuck you. Fuck you. Yes. Fuck you. Fuck you. That is my favorite <laughs> Janet moment. But definitely the I better not see your ass in L.A. <laughs> okay. And, and then also <laughs> after she gets mad and gets out of the car and they eventually coax her back into, or not the car, the postal truck. And she goes to him, they still gonna fuck you up. <laughs> and then him in Chicago are making fun of her when they close the door and they still gonna fuck you up. I love that so much. <laughs> and he winked at her when she said it too. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, as soon as she said that and got in, he just winked at her. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not taking you seriously, woman. Yeah, so that just I better not see your ass in LA and they still gonna fuck you up is my favorite. <laughs> I don't know. I love it so much. <laughs> so for me, I'm gonna start with my favorite Janet moment. Okay. So we're gonna take it. All the way back. All right. To good times. Just those episodes where before she got adopted by 
Walona when she was making up all those stories and lies about her injuries and why she was downtown. <laughs> yeah. So just her making up lies and stories like that and telling people stuff like her name was Esmeralda <laughs> and she fell on her cat. Her pussy cat. Yes, her pussy cat. <laughs> she fell over her pussy cat, knocked the cream of weed off the stove or whatever and burned her arm. Yeah. So that's my favorite <laughs> <laughs> Janet moment. Is, is that stretch of episodes just because she was lying all the time <laughs> and they were bad lies too. She was a child being abused. She was, she was a child being abused. <laughs> Trying to but, protect her mama. But even when she wasn't lying about the abuse, she's lying about everything, about her name being Esmeralda. <laughs> and JJ hey. saw her, he met her on the bus when right. she was begging for change to get home. And the reason she was down there, she was trying to go see a Mae West movie. But then she tells <laughs> Thelma that some kids hijacked the bus and was like, take me downtown. <laughs> that was, I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> take me downtown. <laughs> so just lies like that. Those are my favorite Janet moments. Aw. <laughs> Little Janet trying to live in her fantasy world. <laughs> yes. So that's my favorite Janet okay. moment. And my favorite Janet era is going to be the Rhythm Nation to Velvet Rope Run from like 89 to 2000. That whole stretch is one era for yes, me? Yes, okay. it is. Because <laughs> it was never ending, actually. It was just bang, bang, bang. Yeah, because if you look at it, her career is broken down in like 10-year groups. Yeah. And that 10, 11 year run mm-hmm. is my favorite era because control is like, hey, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm not Michael and Latoya and Tito and Jermaine's little sister no more. Right. I'm a real person. And then she actually grew into the Janet that we know right. in that era. Okay. Because after the Velvet Rope, like all for you, she was in the I'm, stratosphere at that point. Yeah, I'm here. This yeah. is me. Like she's the biggest star in the world, at least to me, but apparently not. Only in North America. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so that is my favorite era. Well, I didn't dive too much into the billboard stuff just because there's so much. But I do want to do a little guessing game trivia with you. Okay. So you know how we always talk about the difference between the Hot 100 and the Hot R&B and hip hop songs, right? Right. So despite her being this huge pop star, she still gets more love on the R&B hip hop charts. Of course. Not surprisingly. So in the Hot 100, she had 10 number one hits and 27 top 10 hits. And then the Hot R&B hip hop song, she had 16 number one hits and 31 top 10 hits. So of her number one hits. I would like you to guess what you think was the number one hit that charted the longest. The longest? On the Hot 100 first. Okay. We'll do the other one after. So what number one hit charted the longest on the, the longest. Hot 100? Huh. Let me think about this. All right. I'm going to pull <laughs> it up and see if I can guess from her discography here. Okay. Longest one. And this is Hot 100. So you know what that means. Hot 100. The general public. Wink, wink. I'm going to say it's (laughs) on either the All For You album or Velvet Rope. One of those two. Now, let me look at All For You. No, it's not that. Okay, okay. So Velvet Rope, we have, I'm going to say Together Again. You're right. Ding, 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 ding. Together Again. 46 weeks total on the chart. Boom. And then it was her longest plus number one hit on the charts. I didn't pull it from memory. Yeah. But when I, I saw mean, it, I knew, I got it. You didn't cheat in terms of looking at the billboard. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't look it, look up the stat. All right. So what do you think is the longest number one hit on the Hot 
R&B hip-hop songs? Hot R&B hip-hop. I'm going to say that it's probably something from Control. What have you done for me lately? Nope. Okay. That was one of the number one hits, but not longest on the charts. It's not Dream Street. Nope. So What Have You Done For Me Lately was on the charts for 20 weeks. And okay. this one was on for 33 weeks. 33. I'll give you one more Rhythm guess. Nation. Nope. It's I Get Lonely, specifically featuring Blackstreet. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I can see it. I just thought that was interesting because the Blackstreet version is not on the album. No. So this... Has to be the single. Right. Because I know there's a video. There's two versions. There's a video with and without them. So I'm guessing that means there's probably a single. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. I mean, she had many other number ones, but those two were the longest on the charts. Well, I got one of them. You did. 50%. (laughs) 50 is better than nothing. All right. You got anything you want to add about Miss Janet before we get out of here? Uh, The only thing I want to add is, and I will link to it on the website, is if you love Janet in the choreography as much as I do. I found a video to the making of the Janet album. So it's okay. all the behind the scenes stuff of the, the videos and all that. So I will post that. Okay. On that note, we're going to get out of here because we're creeping up on an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> so this is going to be quite a long episode. Well, it'll be edited down, but it will still be. Yeah, awesome. it's still going to be about an hour and 20 minutes. So. <laughs> Strap in, folks. Uh, so we would like to thank you again for listening to They Reminisce Over You. Wait a minute. There's no point in them strapping in now because we're done. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So if you made it this far, congratulations. And like I said, uh, we thank you again for listening to They Reminisce Over You. Make sure to follow us on social media if you don't already. If you are following us on social media, send our accounts to a friend so they can follow too. We get these jokes off sometimes, though. Get in on the conversation on The Bird and on Instagram. Also, remember to rate and follow on your podcast service of choice. Also, leave us a review if you could, because the better reviews we get, the higher we move up in the rankings. So. Or just a rating. Or, you don't even have to write anything. Just yeah, click those if, five stars. If you don't want to write anything, just, just go click, ahead. I like it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I like this shit. Five stars. Yep. Just do that. Simple. Also, if you want to listen to a playlist that we've done about Janet Jackson and you're not listening to the Music and Talk episode where it's embedded, you can find that on our website as well or just by searching the title of the episode on Spotify. With that said, we'll be talking to you guys again in two weeks. Deuces, silly gooses. <laughs> <laughs>